Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 46. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your up-close and personal connection to Gary Renard, best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality, and the now-scheduled-for-release Love Has Forgotten No One, and we're going to talk about that in just a few seconds here. This is Gene Bogart, podcast producer and Gary's co-host, and ladies and gentlemen... I can hear you singing in the background. Would you welcome, please, without any further ado, the man himself, the star of our show, the inimitable and sought-after Gary Renard. All right. The crowd is going wild. The crowd is wild. They're wild for Gary. They're just wild about Gary. Yeah, I can see him. No, they're right outside my window here. <laughs> <laughs> Here in, uh, California. The crowd has gathered outside your window. <laughs> that would be interesting. Stranger yeah. things have happened with us. Oh, buddy, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Uh, I feel good, and I feel good to be in California because I've been watching all these blizzards, you know, hit the Northeast mm. every week it seems uh, for months now. And here I've been here, where it's sunny and you know pretty warm, even in the winter. And uh, of course, it gets warmer come uh, spring, but. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I really am. And uh, I got to finish uh, the book finally uh, during the three months that we had off from uh, doing workshops. So uh, that was an opportune time to finally finish the book. And yeah, I'm I, really excited about the way it came out. Yeah, last time in our, our last show, and that was before there was a scheduled release date, which there now is that you're going to talk about, but uh, we had mentioned that fact. You had said how uh, even though this took a lot longer, and and some folks out there will be saying, yes, a lot longer, but you know, the extra time was put to good use, as it turns out, because you said you were, you were much happier with the way the book worked out and came to a conclusion than you would have been previously because of things that only unfolded during that extended process, right? Absolutely. There were uh, several pretty big forgiveness opportunities, or as we call it at the DU group, a, a JAFO, <laughs> another forgiveness opportunity. <laughs> and uh, people will see that in the book. So there are a lot of things that happened, uh, really starting with me moving out to California uh, five years ago, mm-hmm. almost six years ago. Uh, seemed that whatever could go wrong did go wrong, and uh, just all kinds of things. I'm not going to get into it, but uh, it involves things like divorces and marriages and the Internal Revenue Service and and things like that. <laughs> Which <laughs> are sometimes people, connected with each other, those processes are sometimes related. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And uh, people get the idea when they read the book. Uh, but I do think it's a better book than it would have been uh, a couple of years ago because uh, I really learned a great deal from those experiences, and I was able to relate those experiences uh, in the book. And, of course, the teachings of A Course in Miracles are are there all the way through uh, the book. Art and Persa have done the usual job of blowing my mind, <laughs> and uh, people will see that, too. So I'm really happy with the way it turned out, and uh, I hope other people will be, too. Uh, the thing about a book is when you finish it, it's there forever. You know, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, people could be reading in 20, 30 years from now. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that it came out the way that I wanted it to. I think I can safely say 
that all three books are the books that I wanted them to be, and they all fit together. They are a trilogy, as it turned out. I wasn't even, you know, thinking in terms of a trilogy at the time that I was doing the third book, but it just worked out that way. And, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, relieved also that it's done. And I think I learned a lot because, uh, you know, the kind of a person I tend to wait for deadlines. No, uh, no, not this, not you, Gare. Yeah. There's this uh, old saying by... By writers, I love deadlines. I I love the whooshing sound they make as they go by. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> that's really you know about it. <laughs> There's another saying by writers: uh, I hate to write, but I love to have written. Ah, yeah. And uh, that's really true because writing, believe it or not, is not easy. <laughs> and no, no. I, I know. think that you you found that out. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's like, but when you've done it. You know, when you've actually finished something, it feels really good. And you didn't <laughs> I, have, I have an analogy here that I'm probably not going to make on the show, but you could probably guess what I'm thinking. But it's, it's probably true of a lot of our experiences in life. But, uh, yeah, write, writing is like that. It's like, you know, uh, you know, that you become so immersed in it and so focused and so kind of uh, just... Uh, you're, you're you're submerged into this this you know matrix that you're in while you're doing it, and I suppose it's true of any creative endeavor. Um, I don't paint, but I imagine for painters it's the same thing. It's like I, I I'm not done yet. I've got to work on this some more, and it it is consuming. And as you say, sometimes it's kind of an agonizing process. But when it's done, it's like oh that was great, you know. So um, uh, probably, and this one was probably a very supreme example of that for you doing the third book. Oh, yeah, and I also found out that uh, I can't write during the day. I'm kind of like, you know, a night owl, and I always have been. And so it turned out the only way that I could actually finish this thing was to stay up all night. Ah. You know, I didn't write till like, 7 o'clock in the morning, which uh, I finally <laughs> ended up doing. And uh, that's kind of like how the, the book got finished. I thought that was just me. Yeah, it, it's like uh, everybody has, you know, certain cycles, and, of course, we're musicians, yeah, that's probably and, part of the uh, background. Yeah, musicians, uh, like I definitely got up, uh, you know, late, and I, I would be used to staying up late at night. And uh, when I was in the band for all those years, I'd never go to bed before 2, 2.30 yeah. in the morning. So I guess that's just the way that uh, I'm used to doing things. And we were, we were primarily playing in New York State, which at that time was uh, uh, 4 a.m. closing for bars. And so when we're playing at a saloon or a nightclub or whatever, we very often would play right up until 4. It was certainly always 3 o'clock, and then there might be an extra hour to close the bar down. But sometimes they'd have us play right to closing. We'd give last call and do our last song. Good night, everybody. The lights come up, and everybody gets thrown out into the parking lot. But uh, and literally so in many cases. But, yeah, you're so you're done working. You know, I remember years ago, like, my parents and stuff said, well, why don't you just, like, you know, just come home and go to bed after that? Why do you? I said, okay, well, you work till 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Come home and go to bed. Well, that's ridiculous. No, it's the exact same thing. You know, we're just 12 hours sure. apart. So, you know, you get done, you pack up gear, it's five, you stop at the diner, you have a couple of eggs and a cup of Sanka, you know, it's six, seven thirty by the time you get to bed. And, and, you know, how do you beat that if you're working that? It's like being a, a cop at night. There are guys who did the, you know, the, the 4 a.m. ending shift and same thing. They're getting to bed at seven o'clock in the morning and you do that for a few decades. You, your body kind of gets used to it, I guess. That's true. So I want to mention that uh, the book will be released by Hay House yes. on October the 8th. 
and uh, I'm pretty excited about that, and uh, I hope it'll be worth the wait. I think it will be. Mm-hmm. And uh, Well, I think it goes without saying, you certainly have an eagerly anticipating audience for this book, because people, uh, you know, have, have expressed so much interest in it, so in a way, uh, you know, hopefully whatever annoyance certain people may have had will at least be somewhat compensated by the anticipation of, okay, finally, here it is. So, uh, yeah, so October the 8th, that was really kind of our big news here. Um, now, I, I don't have a drum roll for that, however, we can give it a little bit. of That's the only <laughs> drumming I have available at the moment. Uh, but October the 8th, yeah, the, so that is the date. Mark that on the calendars, um, and that, that will be just widely available at that point through all the different outlets and, and everything? Yeah, uh, the book will be in all the stores uh, by then. You know, Payhouse releases things enough ahead of time so that they can get them in stores. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it'll be all at the online uh, venues right. also. Do you have a link uh, at, at your own website at GaryRenard.com? Do you have a direct link if people go to buy a book? Yeah, I usually put them through to Amazon uh, because that's the best price, usually. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I could sell the books myself, but I'm just not into that. <laughs> you know, so I... I just uh, have them go through to Amazon, buy it there, and uh, that's true of all three books. The uh, book cover that people are used to seeing uh, has totally changed. Oh, wow. So, oh, well, this uh, is we're, we're breaking more news now. Yeah, so that'll be uh, totally different than what people think that it's going to look like. Yeah. Can that be seen already, or is that not actually available yet to see? Uh, it's not available yet. I've seen it, and uh, yeah, I love it. I, th- I think it's much better than the other one. And, uh, Can you describe okay. it at all, or is are you are you sweared, sworn to secrecy here? I think I'd rather surprise people. Okay. Uh, I never should have told anybody about the book. Then I would have been fine. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the mistake. Yeah, Art and Percy even tells tell me that in the book. They said, you know, your mistake was telling people about it because if you didn't say anything, then nobody would be angry at you for taking so long. Yeah. You know, but because you told them about it, then, you know, now they all say, well, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> you know, so uh, I'm not going to make that mistake again. But, uh, you know, I think if there is another book, I'm just going to surprise people with it. And mm-hmm. I think that they'll, they'll like that because it'll, it'll be like, wow, where'd that come from? Yeah. You know, so I think it's like... Um, the uh, the book will look different. It's going to be different than what people think. But it's a very uh, personal uh, book, and all my books have been like that. They really do uh, get into my life, and I seem to like to share my life uh, with people. So that's very much uh, what the book is going to be like. But it has the teachings of the course, I think, on a pretty deep level, and uh, I know the course students will like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the book quotes about, I think it's about 114 times uh, from the course. Uh-huh. And uh, I think Arden and Purse like to do that because it illustrates that what they're saying is the same thing that the course is saying. Right. So I think that's why they've used so many quotations uh, from the course in the books, just to say, hey, we're, you know, we're not just making this up. <laughs> you know, this is, this is what the course actually says. And uh, speaking of the course, I want to mention to people your uh, new CD uh-huh. that you did, because uh, Cindy and I love it. You know, uh-huh. I think it's great. And, uh, you know, you, uh, well, maybe you could tell people a little bit 
about the CD. Oh, I don't like to talk about my self-care. No, you know, you and I were just briefly talking before we we started the show here that uh, yeah, I said it's it, it sounds weird when especially when I'm saying it, but I, really the thing that I'm impressed with this is nothing to do with me, and I don't mean like that as a false modesty kind of thing. But uh, what we're talking about is my CD, The End of Sacrifice, which is uh, an excerpt from the text. It comes from chapter 15. It's about half of chapter 15, because that's about what fits onto one CD. It's uh, about 50 minutes, 49 minutes long. So it's like a, like a regular album of music, kind of that kind of length on, on one CD. And uh, it's the, obviously, just it's the words of the course. This is not me talking about the course. It is just the words of the course itself. Um, but, you know, for those who have heard uh, any of the uh, the lesson recordings that I did from the workbook, whoops, what was that? Are you still there? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> well, I don't know. That was an odd-sounding beep. Is it going to happen again? Maybe it's an incoming call that won't be answered. I didn't hear that. Oh, there it is. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll leave that in because it adds authenticity to our recording. Hey, they really are cool. doing this for real. Um as I was saying, it it uh, it's the words of the course, and as I did during the uh, the workbook recordings of the lessons, it it is an odd process for me, and I almost can, I don't want to go into too too much lengthy stuff about it here. Maybe I should uh, just talk about it at length somewhere else uh, for people to listen if if anybody is is concerned about it. But it's it's really interesting. I feel like when I do this, I kind of and it's no big deal. I don't go into a trance or anything. It's just that I say, okay, I'm re- I'm ready to do this, and I just kind of open myself to the Holy Spirit for direction. Just you know guide me as to how this should be done and i tend to sound different than anything else i do people are used to hearing me here or as arton on the du recordings or other stuff that i've done and they say you know it sounds different when you're actually reading the words of the course itself and i think that's the holy spirit as director because it's it's just that you know if i think i'm going to do it differently i have nothing to say about it i said well i'll make this just sound a little more conversational pep it up a little bit and and then when it comes out it comes out sounding the way the holy spirit wants me to sound and so just kind of giving voice to this but but the thing that impresses me so much are the words themselves are the it's the content that uh, i mean all of the course you and I both love. I mean, we literally have a, an adoration for this work, but certain aspects of it, certain segments just seem to just sing. I mean, it really is just so evocative. And that is one of, I know, both of our favorite chapters. It's the one that concludes with Christmas as the end of sacrifice, hence the name of the CD, the end of sacrifice. But it, it's not just a Christmas season thing. It's really talking about a season of rebirth, mm. a, a new life within us uh, that we're manifesting at any time. So, um, and then talking about the, the the new year before us, and that's the whatever year we seem to be experiencing at whatever point we're at. It's it's now renewed because of this, and the words are just amazing. There was some great music um, that I mean I accessed, and then as I was putting together these various tracks and elements of the music again. It was really like, I'll tell somebody the story about that. I told you once about I needed a certain piece to fit in and a certain to end at a certain place in the recording. But I also then needed something to happen where it would come in in the middle of the spoken words. And and so I had to go to the end first to make sure that that fit and then say, oh, well, where's that other part going to be? And it showed up at exactly the place that I had hoped it would show up. And I had no control over that. 
And, you know, I said that had to, I mean, the Holy Spirit had to, you know, somehow be directing that because it wasn't me doing it consciously. Um, and, you know, so to, to have things like that just unfold and work out is is pretty remarkable. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful to hear that. I know when you and I spoke last time, I think you had heard some samples, but you hadn't yet heard the entire CD. And so I'm That's glad right. that you and Cindy both had a chance because when you listen to the whole thing, it is immersive. It seems to just... Uh, when Helen and I first heard the playback of the actual CD, we were just going to hear a small piece of it to make sure everything worked out okay on the CD manufacturing part. And we ended up just sitting and listening to the whole thing, and our mouths were hanging open going, my God, I mean, this is it's like so much more than I, we thought, you know, and it, it just those words are so powerful. And when they can sink into you like that and you just feel those words surrounding you, it, it it's it's really something. I mean, the course never ceases to amaze me with the the depth and and profoundness and the the joy that it extends to us. It's it's just incredible. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Well, when Cindy and I uh, listened to it, it seemed like a lot more than just a reading. Yeah, you know, it's not just a reading of the course. There's something about it that really does get you deeply uh, into it. So uh, yeah, I highly recommend. That CD to people. I should put a link at my website. Oh, that would be great. Uh, yeah, for that, and uh, they can get it at your website. Yeah, just right at at forgiveness TV, which is the home of the podcast, and just yeah, forgiveness TV, and you'll see a link right up front, and uh, there's a little page about it, and you can hear a sample there too, uh, that you can go to hear like a two and a half minute selection from there, so you get a flavor of what's going on with it. But you really, I said, you know, it'd be like uh, yeah, if if. If somebody had a, you know, a, a pizzeria that made the best pizza in the world, and they said, well, come in, we'll give you a free bite as a sample. I mean, that you might say, hey, that tastes pretty good. But, you know, when you get a, a huge serving of the pizza, it's like, oh, this is just because it's just it's so much more filling and satisfying. So it's a poor analogy, but but at least you get the bite of it. And uh, yeah, I, so I hope people will check that out. Go to forgiveness.tv. And thank you, buddy, for, for that. And I, I appreciate the uh, the recommendation. And uh, and hopefully there will be more to come along those lines because yeah it's, sure. it's the, the course you know you and i we've talked about this for years we never tire of these words and uh you know a, a lot of people talk to me when they're referring to the podcast and say what what i love is i'm much more of an auditory person rather than a reading person so i read some things but i like to hear stuff i i really absorb it better people have told us they they listen to our podcast over and over they're in the car okay i'll go listen to one of the old podcasts for half an hour 40 minutes and they say it's just great the way that that this these conversations sink in so when you can actually hear the the actual course presented in a way that that really can resonate with you you know that uh, that's just one more one more way to do that so that's right so uh i know that we're going to get to some uh questions for gary uh-huh which would be cool people have uh, been writing these things in for years yes uh, we answer maybe one or two a year <laughs> but we'll get to more than that uh, eventually. And uh, well, we get to a couple per episode. But again, we have let's just say a really large backlog. But as people know, you know, I always love it. I'll get an email from somebody we use their question, and they'll say, "I can't believe you still have that." The questions from you know two thousand nine or something. But well, we have them, right. and we get right. to them as best we can, so we don't forget. <laughs> Yeah, because we've been doing this since, uh, what, 2006? I, I think, think so, or or maybe, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'll have to look up when the first one started, but it was yeah. uh, at least 2008. It might have been 2006. It's been a long time, I know. 
Yeah, I did want to uh, mention, because I said that uh, our hiatus is over here. I had about three months uh, without doing workshops to finish the book. Now, we are starting what we call our workshop season now. And uh, usually we take three months off from December to March, but we're not doing uh, as many workshops this year. And part of that is because, uh, you know, we want to write uh, Cindy and I are writing a book together about relationships, ah. and uh, at the same time, I suspect that I'll be doing another book with art in person. Uh, just don't ask me when it will be finished. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> you sure you want to mention that? <laughs> yeah. And uh, because of that, that's why uh, we're not doing as many things. Uh, a few years ago, I was doing, oh, maybe 40 trips a year. Oh, yeah, I know. To do workshops. And uh, this year, I've got it down to 20. So uh, it's going to be a different experience for me. I'm going to have more uh, time uh, for other projects. And uh, we'll see how they go. I, I also have a TV series I'm working on, as you know. And, right. Any uh, news on that? Any any quick news, updates on that? Uh, not yet, but it's a process. It always is in uh, Hollywood. Things can take a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we have a couple of different routes we can go. We do have some people uh, who want to help us who are in a position where they have uh, contacts and money and things like that. So uh, it's a process. I don't know how it's going to turn out. It could actually end up on the air, or it could turn out to just be one more big forgiveness opportunity. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, it does take time to do things like that. You know, people don't see a lot of what you do. They don't see uh, my partner and I writing the pilot or what they call a show's Bible or the treatment or all all these things. Uh, they, can't, they can't see uh, some of the scenes from the pilot if they go to what we call DOTU-TV, Disappearance of the Universe TV, uh, .com. They can see, you know, a lot of uh, what the series would kind of like be like uh, if it happens. Yeah, the trailers look look really good. If, if folks haven't seen that, uh, and and they can link that from your principal website too, right? That's right. They just scroll down a little bit. Uh, it'll say, you know, uh, TV series, and they can just yeah. uh, click on that. Now, I have to admit that it, it's a long shot because uh, oh, sure, this is uh, kind of like different. You know, yeah, for, yeah, for TV, and uh, you know, it's one guy in Hollywood who we had a meeting with. And he just looked at me and he said, there's no room for this kind of content on TV. <laughs> <laughs> well. So, you know, that was his opinion. But, uh, you know, it's like he basically was saying, forget it. Just, just do something else. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But you never know. Uh, you could have said that, you know, about the book itself, The Disappearance of the Universe, which is also what the TV series is called. And... Um, what I had to do is I had to go a different route, you know, a non-traditional route, in order to get the book published. If I took it to a big publisher in New York, uh, they would have said, forget it, you know, we're not interested. But uh, by going to D. Patrick Miller on Fearless Books, I was able to get the book out there, and it was able to prove itself. And I have a feeling that if this TV series happens, it'll be the same idea where we take it, uh, someplace that's a little non-traditional, you know, not uh, ABC, CBS, or NBC, or anything like that. Yeah. And uh, 
Maybe go with the Sci-Fi Channel to start off with. You know, the disappearance of the universe. We you rewrite some space alien interaction. You know, and and then it unfolds into a metaphysical thing. You know, that might might be the angle. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get back to me on that. There are yeah. There are different uh, routes that you can go through that aren't as uh, mainstream and traditional right. as what used to be. Uh, the only things available, uh, you know, the whole entertainment industry has completely opened up. Everything has changed. There's a lot of stuff now. I'm just going to say there's a lot of, of programming that's just coming out on the web. It's not even going broadcast. And, and some of it's pretty high end. There's that one, was it House of Cards, the one with Kevin Spacey, that's on Netflix. Well, that's yeah. not even on television in that sense, you know, so it's accessible over the web or through downloads. You know, and that's a pretty mainstream show in that sense. So, yeah, there's 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 no end to what's available as as an avenue for this. And so, uh, yeah, so who who knows what it'll turn into? That's right. And uh, that show you mentioned with Kevin Spacey, it is accessible, so it would be available to people, uh-huh. even if it was on uh, Netflix or something, right? Like that. So, and of course, everybody was asking. Well, will it be on DVD, too? Yeah. And the answer is yes, so definitely. Yeah. So it'll be available uh, in more than one kind of a venue. And, uh, you know, before we totally forget here, if you, <laughs> maybe we could get to a couple of questions. Oh, yeah. We can go to that right now, if you'd like. Yeah, sure. Do that? Okay, good. I don't have these printed, so I can't rattle the page. That would be deceptive if I, if I rattled the paper that I often do. You know, I shake the paper to show people I have it printed right in front of me. <clears throat> well, I don't have that right now, so I'm doing it off my screen. Here, listen. That's me tapping on the monitor. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. No one but me would think to do that, and now we know why, because <laughs> it's lame Anyway, this is a question from, well, this one's about a year old. That's For us, that's fairly new. It was a 2012 question, but it was it was about a year ago. Um, and it comes from Nancy, and uh, I don't have a, a, a location, so I'm not sure where Nancy is, but she's out there. Uh, she says, I'm new to... She'll let you know. She'll write to you and, and let you know. That you well, she probably to... will. I'll, I'll, usually what will happen is I'll get an email back from Nancy to say, oh, by the way, I live in... in wherever you know so uh nancy you let me know if you're the right nancy we probably have questions from a number of nancy's in the pipeline but uh <clears throat> the one that she asks is she says i'm new to this material as uh, so, well, you've come to the right place with us so if you've answered this already uh let me know which part well i don't think we have specifically and this is this is nice because it's kind of a good uh generic question that i think will apply to a lot of the thought of, of that which we speak of um, it says, according to Gary, now she references Gary's audiobook. I'm not sure which one she means, but, uh, says that Gary discovered that he was Thomas in a past life and Persa was Thomas and Persa also is Gary. Uh, uh, Persa states that she became enlightened at the end of her life. So does that mean that Gary will never reach enlightenment in this lifetime? Now, according to his other audiobook, to exit the dream, one must become enlightened through total forgiveness. If, if he, Gary, becomes enlightened in this lifetime, then will Persa not be born? There'd be no need for her to come back because Gary will be able to exit the dream. How does this work? I know we've talked about this a little bit, Gary, but this is more specific. Her final answer, or final part of the question is, do enlightened beings who can exit this dream come back to do it again? And if so, why? Or do enlightened beings have to keep coming back until everyone is enlightened? That's pretty interesting. That's from Nancy. Yeah, uh, the answer to all that is yes. 
Okay, well, our next question, thanks, Nancy. No, I think you can elaborate a little bit more, Gary. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, the first thing is we all tend to think in linear terms. Hmm. So it's like one thing happens after another, and we actually believe that we're making this up as we go along. You know, so that's why it seems, okay, well, there's Gary, then there's Persa. Uh, one of the mind blowers about that next lifetime is Persa is that it's already happened. Yeah. And it's already over. <laughs> and that's what's so hard to, you know, wrap our mind around, the, the, the fact that the whole thing has already happened and it's already over because uh, time is actually holographic, but people think in terms of linear time. So uh, the truth is that uh, Persa is already enlightened. That lifetime is already over. When Art and Persa appear to me, they are actually the Holy Spirit appearing to me uh, as a form, as the Course says, you know, about the Holy Spirit, his is the voice for God and is therefore taken form. Uh, this form is not his reality because the Holy Spirit's reality is still spirit, but the Holy Spirit has to take on a form in order to communicate with us or else we'd never be able to hear it. So uh, what our Persa are is really the Holy Spirit appearing to me and that lifetime that they lived where they got enlightened is already over. Uh, when you become enlightened then you're out of here. Uh, you don't ever really come back. So what does come back is, as the Course explains it, uh, their image. You know, it says their image may yet be called upon, and they will appear when and where it is helpful for them to do so. So it's not actually like if Jesus showed up here right now in the dream. That would actually be the Holy Spirit appearing as Jesus, just as the voice of the Course in Miracles is the Holy Spirit speaking as Jesus. Right, because honestly, and, and we've talked about this a little bit, that there really is no difference that what we what the, the person or personality that we think of as Jesus is essentially a personification of the Holy Spirit's mind, of the mindset and thought system of the Holy Spirit. They're really, it's not like two separate beings, right? That's right, and that's also true. Uh, of art in person. Mm -hmm. So they're already enlightened, they're already out of here, and uh, what happens with us is that we appear to have this linear experience. So our experience is linear, but it's not a true experience. What we're having here in the world is a false experience. Right. You know, it's not true, but we think it's true, and we think that we're having this linear experience where one thing happens one step at a time, and the truth is it all already happened all at once and it's already over, which a physicist would probably tell you too. Yeah. But uh, it's like our experience is different than the reality. Now, what will happen uh, with me is, you know, it appears uh, to me that, you know, like I don't know if I'm going to be completely enlightened in this lifetime, but I do know that when somebody comes back for their final lifetime, they already know pretty much everything that they have to know in order to be enlightened. You know, it's not like they have this big learning curve that mm -hmm. they have to go through. It's not like Jesus had a lot to learn when he came back here, yeah. for, or appeared to come back here, because it's all uh, illusion, it's all smoke and mirrors. We're not even in a body. It just looks like we're in a body. Right. That's a false experience, too. Uh, at one point, the Course says the body is outside of us and not our concern. So 
So the body is just a part of the same projection as everything else that we're looking at, but because it seems so close to us, we actually think that we're in the body, when the truth is we've never been in a body. We've never actually incarnated into a body. So even though uh, Arden and Persa and I talk a lot about reincarnation, uh, that's more of an experience. You know, it's like, uh, yes, it does appear. It appears to be, yeah. Right. It appears that we keep coming back here over and over again. And, uh, you know, that's kind of like an illusion, too. We're never actually in a body. It just feels that way. That's kind of connected with the the section from the manual for teachers in the course uh, is reincarnation. So, and if people want to go, your assignment now as students is to go back and uh, and reread that one or read it for the first time, perhaps, because it it really deals with that, how it's it's not saying it's not so, but it's saying, as you just said, it's almost a false question. Uh, do you still and, beat your uh, wife? How do you answer? You know, so, you know, so have you been born into another lifetime? Well, you've never been in any lifetime, really, uh, but it always seems like you have been. So, yeah, we, we deal with the apparency that we think we believe while we still think we believe it, because there's no other way to, as you said, the Holy Spirit can only work at the level we believe ourselves to be right now. That's right, and uh, it's funny you mentioned that section of the Manual for Teachers, because Art and Purse actually get into that section oh, cool. uh, in the next book. Uh-huh. Uh, when we talk about you know reincarnation and, and what it really is and all that, and uh, part of what it says in that section is that all that need be recognized is that birth was not the beginning and death is not the end. Right. So there is a continuum that appears to be there in our experience. And uh, the thing is, when you do become enlightened and you lay your body aside for the final time, as the Course puts it, then you're out of here and you don't ever come back. Yeah. You know, it's not your job to come back and save the world. I know a lot of people have that spiritual fantasy <laughs> where they're going to keep coming back until everybody in the world is saved. Uh, the only problem with that idea is that if everybody kept coming back to save the world, then nobody would ever leave, which means we'd all be stuck here forever. So uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to come back. The Holy Spirit wants you to go home. You know, the Holy Spirit wants you to go home to God. And uh, as Arden Purse also explained in the next book, what will happen when more people uh, start becoming enlightened, instead of not becoming enlightened, the population actually start to go down. I was going to ask that. I said, would that mean that then down the line somewhere there would seem to be fewer beings, and this would be not just on Earth, but uh, fewer sentient beings anywhere because there would be less bodies to think that they are actually living as bodies? Yeah, yeah. and uh, I, don't, I don't want to give away too much from the next book, but Art and person do also talk about that, where uh, as more people become enlightened, instead of more people showing up on Earth... Uh, fewer people will show up on Earth because what you have is the mind splitting right now over and over again. And when you have a seemingly split-off mind, then what it does is it appears to uh, manifest itself as a projection in the dream, in the hologram. So there's kind of like a cause and effect going on there that isn't real cause and effect because real cause is uh, strictly mind and anything that shows up anywhere is in effect. Anything that takes on a form yeah. is in effect. The main difference between the Holy Spirit showing up in the world, which isn't that common, but it does certainly happen, 
and uh, people showing up in the world is that people are based on the idea of separation, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit thinks in terms of wholeness. You know, the Holy Spirit thinks in terms of oneness, which is why at one point the Course says everywhere the Holy Spirit looks, he sees himself. Right. Because the Holy Spirit sees uh, Spirit everywhere. The Holy Spirit looks just beyond the veil, just beyond the body, and that is spiritual sight, uh, except I think it's wise to go through the first couple of steps in forgiveness before you get to that third step. Uh, but most people never get to that third step because they don't think in terms of oneness. They don't think in terms of wholeness. They, right. Because their body's eyes are showing them all this uh, separation everywhere. And, and it seems so dang real, you know? It's so convincing. Yeah, so I think with uh, spiritual sight, you start to get into the habit of thinking outside the box, Yeah, which is what spiritual sight really is, because uh, reality is not what we're seeing. Uh, reality is beyond what we're seeing, but it's also everywhere. So uh, when I say the Holy Spirit thinks in terms of oneness and wholeness, uh, the Holy Spirit would almost say uh, to you through your mind, well, you know, what you're seeing appears to be separate, but it's not separate from anything, and neither is anything else. Everything is one. Everything is whole. And the way to experience that for yourself is to see it all around you. As the Course says things like, you know, to have all, give all to all. Mm. You know, it's kind of like, in thinking that way, that is how you eventually experience it for yourself because of uh, the way the mind works, which we've talked about before. Uh, When you think of uh, people that way, eventually you're going to experience yourself that way, which is why the Course says, uh, as you see him, you will see yourself. Uh, It's really all about the way that you think and what your attitude is, and then you can say, okay, I can uh, overlook the illusion, and because it's an illusion, uh, I'm not forgiving people because they've really done something. I'm forgiving people because they haven't really done anything. Now, it's my projection, and I can change my mind about it. I can stop reacting to it. I can change my mind about it, and I can look beyond the veil to the reality that that person really is, which is exactly the same as God, not just part of it, but all of it. And the more you think that way, the more you're going to experience yourself that way. Hey, I got I got two questions. One is from an, another uh, of our listeners, but the other one's from me. Uh, just talking about this one right now, how does this apply if one, uh, and, and one only achieves enlightenment, while appearing to be alive. A lot of people, and the Course talks about that, a lot of people think, when I die, I will suddenly become enlightened, and this enlightenment doesn't occur in, in the illusion of death. It occurs while while you still believe yourself to be uh, conscious. Um, what happens when enlightenment occurs to someone? Uh, we were talking about once you're enlightened, do you come back? And no, you don't, but perhaps your image will seem to appear but you're not really there. Well, how does that apply when, you, when you're when you in a an actual, or what seems to be an actual living meat body, and then you're enlightened? Uh, I assume the body doesn't instantly vanish like the rapture. You're suddenly, you're the pilot of an airplane, and then there's an empty seat sitting there. So so what happens at that point, and then for the rest of that, that body's seeming natural life? Right. Uh, well, in the case of Persa, uh, she was enlightened for an unusually long time, which was uh, 11 years. Mm -hmm. But you could be enlightened for just 11 minutes. Right. Uh, It it wouldn't matter, because once you're enlightened, you're enlightened. 
So then what happens is the course uh, describes it, you know, you, you uh, gently lay the body aside for the final time. Uh, but there may be a period of time where you're enlightened, where you do appear to be here. And the Course says things like, uh, you know, you walk the world as others seem to walk. Right. Uh, you just smile more frequently. You know, it's kind of like, okay, well, you just, you know, smiling more frequently because you're happy and because uh, you know that you're not really here. Uh, your body has become like the figure in a dream that it really is, so you can't hurt it. Uh, you know, uh, of course, when it says you gently lay the body aside, well, people might look at Jesus in the way that he died, and you know, I said, well, gee, it sure didn't look like he was gently laying the body aside. But what they forget is that he couldn't feel any pain. You know, like the Course says, the guiltless mind cannot suffer. So, uh, yeah, it would look like a terrible death to people for Jesus to die on the cross, but for him, it wouldn't be. Because he knew he, he knew he was not the body, and he right, wasn't. Plus, he couldn't feel any pain, and if you right. if you can't feel any pain, then that's pretty much the end of your problems. Yeah. Here, because uh, it's not really the problem; that's the problem. If suffering uh, is always a choice, and if you're in the position where you can choose whatever you want because you're not restricted, you simply would never choose to suffer, and that would be it. Right. So it's like uh, it's a totally different experience where even if you met a violent death, you wouldn't suffer, you wouldn't feel any pain. Right, it'd be like watching a scene from a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, uh, you know, you lay the body aside and, and that's it. Your experience of perfect oneness with God, which you are already experiencing, even while you appear to be here, Yeah, uh, that becomes your permanent reality. It becomes a fixed state. Uh, it becomes a constant state, as the Course would put it, instead of uh, a state of change and shift. So uh, now that becomes your permanent experience. It doesn't ever change. And your home, you know, your home with God in this condition of perfect oneness, which, uh, as we've talked about before, it's possible to even experience that uh, while you appear to be here. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that's a goal of the Course. I think the main goal of the Course is peace, because uh, peace is the condition of the kingdom. And you can't really fit into the, the kingdom without being at peace. Uh, it just wouldn't work. You know, it's like trying to fit a you know square block into a round hole. Right, right. It just doesn't quite work. So, uh, you know, those are uh, things that happen while you appear to be in a body. Now, if you die without being enlightened, if you lay the body aside without being enlightened, uh, at that point, the direction of the mind is automatic. Uh, the Course says that the direction of the mind is always determined by the thought system to which it adheres. So if you're, you know, thinking right-minded thoughts with the Holy Spirit, then you literally have to be going in the right direction. Yeah. You know, you have to be going home to God. If you're thinking with the ego, then you're not going home to God. So, you know, that's why I always emphasize to people, uh, yeah, we may not always like our forgiveness opportunities. What leads to forgiveness is not fun. But the result of forgiveness is fun. Kind of like your writing analogy. You know, you may you may hate the struggle, but you're really glad when you've completed it. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, real quickly, the other question I was going to bring up is right along these lines. It came from our, our friend D, actual name Donna, but she goes by D. Well, she's been a, a good friend, uh, and she's written in other times before, and, and part of the On Course group and everything else. Back in November, not that long ago, almost yesterday by our standards, uh, D wrote in and said, 
Uh, and this is this question kind of is what we're talking about right here at the end. It's not the big picture of complete enlightenment, but what about in the meantime? She says, I do not look forward to having another lifetime if I have to go through even half of what I did in this lifetime. That I'm hoping that the forgiveness work I do now will lessen the harsh lessons I might have to face in future lifetimes. What's your take on this? So, yeah, so if you, if, if you are not to be fully enlightened, but will come back, what, what is the work we're doing now? The forgiveness, even if it's not complete, how does that apply to what we'll face the next time around? Well, because, uh, you know, you really can't lose any progress that you make in this lifetime, uh, any learning that mm. you achieve in this lifetime will stay with you. It stays in the unconscious mind and you will experience it in your next lifetime. And I always say, you know, because people, you know, they've made fun of me in the past because I'm coming back one more time. And, uh, you know, how <laughs> nah, kind, nah, nah, nah. You know, you know, kind these core students are. Hey, Gary, that uh, subtitle there, a second book, uh, How to Break the Cycle, <laughs> Earth and Death, uh, you know, I'm not coming back again, but I hear you are. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like, uh, hey, wait a minute now. Let me make something straight here. Uh, if there's one lifetime that would be fun to come back for, it would be the last one. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you get to experience enlightenment. You know, so, you know, if there's one time that you can have a good time, and that is, might actually be worth coming back the for. The one you're actually looking forward to. Right? You know, it would be the last one. You know, so don't uh, feel too bad for me if I come back one more time, because I'm going to have a good time. And And apparently you know. be a beautiful woman, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, I even know who I'm going to be with, and all all these. I think I know more about my next lifetime than I do this one. You know, it's like uh, Arden Persev told me all this stuff about <laughs> the next lifetime. But Gary, I got I got to say this: we 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 haven't had any any kind of sexist pig of re- remarks recently, so it's about time. But I'm just thinking: I think for either you or I, if we actually found ourselves to be, you know, living inside the body of a of a beautiful woman, come on, let's face it: neither of us would ever leave the house. Well, that's true. I think that uh, it's like uh, it's like what Steve Martin said. He said uh, it's a good thing that I'm not a woman because if I was, I'd probably just stay home all day and play with my breast. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, the truth is, and, and you know, uh, Cindy knows if she's going to be in the next lifetime. So right. she says, "Okay, this this is my last time being a woman, so I, I'm going to make the most of it." I think she is. And, uh, you know, of course, the roles are reversed, but Hart and Persa... Yeah, I don't even want to get into what kind of costume dramas you and Cindy might have behind closed doors, man. I don't want to know. That's too much for me. (laughs) No, we're we're pretty straight. We really are. But, uh, you know, it's like, um, you know, Hart and Persa really get into uh, the story of their final lifetimes Uh uh, in the next book. They give a lot more detail Uh of what happened. Uh, in those lives, and also how they achieved enlightenment. And, of course, it's always going to come back to forgiveness. You know, we're not going to get away from that. But I think if you're smart, you don't want to get away from that. Right. You, know, you, you want to uh, kind of like accelerate the process, which is really what the third book is about. What That's what my uh, workshops are about this year, is accelerating the process of undoing the ego. And we always emphasize that because the Course says salvation is undoing. And if you focus on forgiveness and undoing the ego, the rest is going to take care of itself. You know, you don't have to worry about anything else. That's going to happen uh, naturally. So that's why the focus is, of course, I think, you know, no matter what Art and Purser and I talk about, 
sooner or later, they always bring the conversation back around to forgiveness because that's what accomplishes that undoing of the ego. Yeah. And forgiveness, you know, as we've talked about so many times, it, it is, you know, we tend to think of it as forgiving another person for something, but it's it's that and much more. It's literally, uh, and I think right in your first book, uh, one of Arten and, uh, and or Persa said, you know, it's, it's forgiving everyone, forgiving yourself, forgiving the whole world. You forgive everything. It's a letting go. It's a release in the belief that any of this was ever real. And that, that is, forgiveness is nothing short of that. So when you think of it that way, that, that is all there. It's not only always the answer, it's all there is for us to do, is to let go what's not real, and what we're left with is God. God is, and there that's the totality. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And uh, you know, it leads to the experience eventually that nothing has happened. You know, of course, as there is no world, uh, nothing has happened, and... Uh, that's part of the, I think, the understanding of forgiveness, that you get to understand that. And I think that it makes it easier as you go along. I, I You know, some people say, oh, forgiveness is really hard, and it certainly is. But I think that eventually it gets easier. Yeah. Because you, you get to that understanding, you know, nothing has happened here. And even if something appears to be happening, nothing has happened here. Right. So you kind of, like, get to that. And, uh, you know, it can take a while. Uh I think the first 10 years is probably the hardest <laughs> when it comes to uh, forgiveness. And, of course, nobody wants to hear that yeah. because they think, well, you know, 10 years. But then I tell them, well, look, uh, you know, how old are you going to be 10 years from now if you don't do it? Right, right. And so it's kind of like, why not take advantage of the time that you have here to make as much progress as you can? And uh, I think that that's what happens with forgiveness. And uh, it's definitely not only worth doing, but I don't think we have anything better to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah, not only nothing better, but but when you think of it in the bigger picture, nothing else at all to do. It, you know, because even even better ultimately becomes better compared to what? And when there's nothing to compare it to, when all is one, there is no comparison, there's nothing separated from anything else. So it's not better than something else, it just simply is. It It is the best. That's that's the only goal towards which we should be moving. Yeah, I think when uh, the Course says, you know, I need do nothing, obviously it doesn't mean that you don't appear to do things. Right, right. right. But you need do nothing. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, you will. I mean, everyone has preferences, and you'll feel guided by the Holy Spirit uh, to do things. And uh, I always get a kick out of the Course of Miracles students who put down other people because they're doing something. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you, don't you know you don't, have to, you don't have to do that? And it's like, I know I don't have to do it. That's not the point. Right. I feel guided to do it, you know, by the Holy Spirit. And it's true. I mean, I could just, uh, as I said many years ago, uh, move to Hawaii and drink beer. And, you know, I don't, I don't have to do anything uh, on the mainland. If I don't so want. instead you chose to move to L.A. and drink beer. <laughs> yeah. Well... Sometimes. <laughs> we make our adjustments as we go. But no, your 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 point is exactly, you know, and I, I had the opportunity to talk for a few minutes with your lovely Cindy before you got on the phone with me today. And by the way, we, we talked about that of saying, well, we'll do a, maybe we'll do a Cindy Renard podcast at some point or have her kind of, uh, uh, you know, guest star. She'll be the guest star of the show or something because uh, she's such a fascinating and wonderful person. She really is a sweetheart and, and she's so smart about stuff. And as you've often said, she 
really gets the course at a very very deep level and and she has i think it's it's that feminine energy that she can bring to it there's a certain sweetness about it that that people won't find as abrasive as they do with you and me but uh yeah we'll, we'll definitely do that at some point so i wanted to acknowledge that but she and i were talking about that too about that the very thing that you just brought up about the need do nothing and you know, we always seem to i mean if you just you, okay i'm not going to do anything i'm just going to sit here oh have you stopped circulating blood no so you we're we always seem to be doing something but as you said it's it's the no need for it you say okay and someone might say well gene well then if you don't need to be circulating blood well you know you don't because you don't need a body now you still seem to be in one so be nice to it while you seem to be here it's a dream but you can be kind within the dream but as you grow to know that you're not actually in the dream you're not actually in the body you realize you need do nothing. I, I think I had used the phrase one time, you need do nothing. All you need is to be willing and be willing to turn things over to the Holy Spirit. And to be something is different from doing something. And and I think there's kind of a key there. Yeah, I think that's true. And uh, I think uh, part of the experience of the Course, eventually, is that you don't feel alone anymore. It's kind of like you know that uh, the Holy Spirit is with you. Yeah. You know, because most people, if they're alone in a room, they think they're alone. Right. And uh, they're actually never alone. And that's kind of like the bridge that undoes that sense of separation from God, which uh, the Course says is the only lack you really need correct. Yeah. So uh, it undoes the sense of isolation and lack and leads to an experience uh, that will always lead to oneness and wholeness, because that's what the Holy Spirit is. And you know, uh, when when you said that, too, it just reminded me, I think I've spoken of it before here, uh, but just real quickly, when about a year and a half ago now, and I had my uh, my near-death situation, and as we say, we, we're still not sure if I was actually dead for a time, or if I was simply hovering right at the threshold, right at the point of death, and it doesn't matter, it's near death either way. And the one thing that that occurred to me more than anything else was I knew I was not alone. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it another time, but, you know, in terms of I didn't have any bells and whistles and white light and tunnel experience. Um, and Jesus didn't come walking over to me darn him i expected some company but but i knew i was not alone i just knew it it went beyond faith it was beyond a belief it was a knowing i just knew it you know when you're not alone you you feel the presence of of someone with you and i i knew that and i felt that and uh you know at at such an extreme experience to be able to to access that is uh is a a, a a tremendous value from there on out i i have never lost that so i don't believe i could ever as you said whether or not we achieve enlightenment in the current lifetime we seem to be in you don't lose the gains you've made and uh i don't have any doubt that i'll never feel alone uh you know whether i come back again or not i'm i'm always going to know that it's just going to be built in so, as you said, if you have to come back for a lifetime, what would it be like to be born into a little kid's body, and as soon as you're able to think anything, you know you're never alone. You feel the presence of the Spirit within you constantly, and you never fear, you never doubt that. What a lifetime that would be if that was to be your last one. So, if there's anyone to look forward to, it would be that final one. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great, buddy, and I think it's a good note. Uh, to end on. Yeah, I was just going to ask if you had any 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 final closing thoughts to take us out here. Uh, I think we we've made some uh, some wonderful closing points, and uh, 
um, and answered a few questions for Dee and for Nancy. We thank them for submitting. We will do more in the next one. Hopefully, we'll have our, our next uh, podcast coming up fairly soon. As we said, we, we are looking a, a few podcasts ahead. It'll be our 50th. This is our 46th, so it'll be our 50th episode coming up fairly soon, and uh, maybe we should, we'll should we we'll think about doing some kind of a special event for that, so uh, we'll keep that one in mind. But Gary, as you always do, if you want to just give us a, a few, Father Gary, Father Gary, the good father himself, Pastor Gary will come in and, and give a message to his flock, his flock of faithful, faithful admirers. Any words of wisdom there, saintly Gary, for us? It's funny you should say that, because I'm, I'm actually speaking at a church oh. on a Sunday. Ooh, a real church? <laughs> yeah. yeah a, well, Unity Church is a real church. They, they are. I like Unity Churches, yeah. Well, that's and, good. Uh, In a Unity, you probably don't have to worry about a lightning bolt striking. If, if it were a Catholic <laughs> church, you or I, I don't know what would happen. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But uh, one of the things I'd like to you know get across to spiritual students uh, this year, you, you know, give each other a break, <laughs> because... <laughs> I found uh, spiritual people to be among the most judgmental people in the world. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, because they're all saying, oh, well, you should be like this, and you should be like that, and you should know this, and you should know that. And, uh, you know, if they really understand what the Course is saying, then they don't have to be correcting anybody. You know, they don't have to be saying, oh, well, you know, this this is the way that you should be. And uh, I think that we need to give each other a break and just be a little bit kinder. You know, uh, course students, well, we've seen this at the DU group. Uh, you know, no matter what you say, uh, it can't be right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm doing this. Well, you don't have to do that. You know, you shouldn't be doing that. Well, you know, okay, so uh, you think that I need do nothing means that I don't do anything. And that's not what it means. So uh, I think that, you know, we just, need to be a little bit kinder and a little bit less judgmental toward people. And, uh, you know, I, I think that if you do that, then you're being kind uh, to yourself because whatever you put in out there, it's really just going to you because there's only one of us. And whatever you're, you know, thinking about another person, it's really just going to determine how you feel about yourself. And once you remember that, then I think it makes you more likely uh, to be kind people because then you realize well that's going to determine how I feel about myself so I think it's a good note to end on also a couple of points I'd like to make before we wrap things up First point is apology. Uh, I definitely want to say I'm very sorry that it has taken so long between podcast episodes. And yes, I hear it. <laughs> I hear it from people, and I don't blame you. I know it's been way too long. It's not Gary's fault. It's my. It's it's not him. It's me. It's not you. It's me. Uh, you know the uh, the. As I said, I'm I'm back from the dead. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm not back to my old self yet. And uh, you know, all kidding aside, I I don't have the energy levels that I used to have. Hopefully, that will continue to improve. But it's just tough. I can only get so much work done at a time, and that's why what what used to take less time to do now takes much, much longer for me. So that's really why I apologize for that. I will continue to do the best I can and get these podcasts out as regularly as we can do it, because I know that people miss them when they're not there, and we miss not having them there. So 
I'll see what I can do on that. I'll do the best I can. Second point is one of gratitude. Uh, really, uh, I and Helen as well, we both want to express our deep and sincere thanks, real gratitude for people who've been making donations to our medical recovery fund. Uh, several folks have recently made some significant donations, and this is in addition to the many people who have contributed really over the past year and a, and a little more. And it really, as we've said before, we would not be able to survive without you. Even with the number of the medical providers, the hospital doctors, other people uh, that have waived much of what we owed, it still left a quite huge amount of money. Uh, it's pretty well wiped us out, but we're getting there. We continue to pay things off, and quite honestly, the donations we've received in the fund are, are making it possible for us to continue to pay this until we uh, hopefully get things cleared up, and, and hopefully I get cleared up. So. We bless you for that, literally. I, I just can't tell you how, how much gratitude we feel and how, just how ongoingly grateful we are to everybody. And if anybody wants to check that out, it's, it is active, that fund. It's at forgiveness.tv. There's a, a thing called Gene's Health. Just check on that. And, uh, you know, we just so thoroughly appreciate it. So, hey, another way you can help, too, is the CDs we talked about. Gary mentioned The End of Sacrifice. You'll find that at Forgiveness.tv. Buy a copy. It's a great product. It's a wonderful recording. I'm extremely proud of it. And the Holy Spirit is, too. He was the director. Uh, <laughs> that's for real. So at any rate, uh, you'll hear a sample there for free. And if you can pick up a copy and, and buy some for your friends, they're great gifts. And uh, it's a terrific CD to have and a, a great reading from A Course in Miracles. So I hope you'll check out The End of Sacrifice. Third thing, well, I guess really the fourth thing is uh, some, some happy news. We now have a Facebook page for the Gary Renard podcast series. Isn't that cool? And that just got online uh, at Facebook. So check that out. It's uh, our page for the Gary Renard podcast and forgiveness.tv. I hope you'll like that page. You want a lot of likes costs nothing so uh but but likes are great and um and hopefully it'll be a good place where we can have some dialogues between podcast episodes i plan on kind of taking excerpts little pieces of a dialogue that gary and i have had and posting it there people can post back with comments questions uh, topics of discussion hopefully we'll have a nice little uh, conversation between us all uh, to fill in those gaps between the podcast releases so please go to Facebook, check out the Gary Renard Podcast and Forgiveness.tv page, one page, and you can like it there. You can friend me on Facebook, too. You can't friend Gary. Oh, no, Mr. Popular. He's, he's filled up. He's already over his limit. But I've got some, uh, some headroom left, so if you want to friend me on Facebook, you can. Follow me on Twitter. I definitely need more, more Twitter followers so I can, I can tweet all the twits who follow me on Twitter with all us fellow twits together. So uh, check out Facebook and Twitter. And, of course, you can uh, find links for everything and all sorts of information at the home base for the podcasts, forgiveness.tv. And the Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations and distributed through Forgiveness.tv. All verbal content of our programs is copyright 2013. Gary Renard and Gene Bogart, all rights reserved, all grievances forgiven. I mean all, all grievances, not just some. All of them. Forgiveness is everything. 
This is Gene Bogart, and I do very much want to thank you guys for listening, for your patience, for your support, uh, for all the kind words that I hear all the time about our podcasts and all the other stuff that, that we both do, Gary and I. And uh, we both are very grateful. You know, we love you guys. It, it is really a big extended family. I, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say that, and you know that. The people that we... The people I know in person know that, that I mean that, and, and then there's a lot of people, that, even though we haven't met in the same space, we've been on the phone, we email, you guys know. I mean it. I don't lie about stuff like that. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Gary Renard Podcast. As we said, we're, we're counting down to episode 50, not too far down the line. Our next one will be 47. And so we're going to be, uh, we'll, we'll try to do some kind of an anniversary show on 50 whenever that comes up. And I'll try to make it as quick as I can. But in the meantime, check for updates, uh, hopefully on Facebook, also at forgiveness.tv, and email me anytime you want. And we'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch. That's for sure. So this is Gene Bogart saying, thanks so much. We'll be talking to you soon. We'll have another podcast as soon as humanly possible. I know that that's a limitation the human limitation, but we'll overcome it as best we can. And until the next one comes along, and I'll have to post this right on our Facebook page, because you know, I say it and I guarantee you that it is true, that no matter what the question, forgiveness is always the answer. Cool. Hey, we managed, we got through the entire show without the phone cutting out on us. That's right. That's right. It was meant to be. <laughs> See? We needed do nothing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, he knows when you, when you really need him. That's right. <laughs>